Welcome, and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. I'm Pastor Chris, the lead pastor here at New Life. We're so glad you're here, and I've always said I want to be like Rich when I grow up, and I guess I got 29 more years to go before you sing happy birthday to me. Yeah, so anyway. Um, here at New Life, our mission, for those of you who are new or watching online for the first time, is to share, grow, and live the new life of Jesus Christ with the world one person at a time. And today, we're continuing this series called Marion Bright. And obviously, it's a Christmas series, and Christmas has always been my favorite holiday. When I was a little boy, my mom made Christmas so special. From about the week after Thanksgiving, right up through Christmas, she started making Christmas cookies and nut rolls, and she made these little, uh, we called them cherry buns, and they were regular rolls, uh, homemade rolls, but then she would put the middle down, put cherry pie filling in there, and icing on top. They were awesome. But anyway... um, she did that, and, and my brother Jim, who was 17 years older than I, or yes, yeah, he was six, 16 years older than I was, um, he was in the military when I was like four and five, and so he would come home from the military, and he would teach us how to decorate that Christmas tree, and I'll tell you what, our balls were in the right place, you know, in the right order and all that, and even to this day, when I walk past the Christmas tree, if the ball's a little bit not quite straight, I have to tweak it, you know, just, just from my upbringing, from my brother Jim, but we, when I say we, my brother Ken and I, one of the most fun things we ever did, when I tell you, you're going to say it first, like, that is weird. My favorite thing I remember when I was four and five, so Ken would have been two and three, um, and you say, five, well, where were you? Why weren't you in school? Because they didn't have kindergarten. I'm so old that they didn't have kindergarten. I didn't start till I was six. But anyway, four and five, my mother would make us sit in the cha- on a chair in the living room while she cleaned up the house for Christmas. Now, how could that be fun? Well, it was fun because the living room is only one room in the house, and so when she was in the other rooms, we were doing stuff we weren't supposed to be doing, right? So, like, for example, the one chair where my brother Ken always sat, it was this little black imitation leather chair. It was sort of square. It had these spindly legs, and it had a swivel so you could spin it the whole way around in circles. So when my mother would leave the room, I'd spin the chair around real fast till Ken would get dizzy, and my mother would come in, and she would yell at us, and then she'd go back out and do something else. And the reason she was making us sit in the chair in the first place was because she said that when we went into a room in 15 minutes, it looked like a cyclone went through it. Um, you know, our toys and cookie crumbs, because she was making cookies all during the whole holiday time. Uh, anyway, so she made us sit there, and occasionally she would let us sit on the couch together. And that was a bad idea, because we'd put the ba- afghan my grandma made over top of our heads, and, and then we would, you know, eventually one of us would accidentally or not so accidentally poke the other one, and then there would be screaming. Then my mother would come in again, and then she would settle us down, and then she would leave, and we had hardwood floors, so we would make sure we had the nice slippery socks, and we would ice skate in the living room, you know, till she caught us. So the point of this is... We had fun because we were supposed to not be doing something, but we were hiding from her that we were really having fun. And, and we human beings sort of do like to hide, but really I think we want to get caught. And, I mean, hide-and-seek is probably the best example of that. Probably the better example is even the game Sardines, which is like reverse hide-and-seek where one person goes and hides, and then everybody else goes and looks for them, and then whenever you find that person, you squeeze in with them. That's, called, that's why it's called Sardines. So we want to hide. But we want to be found. Now, Jesus is going to tell us as we return to Matthew chapter 5, 14 to 16 today, that we're light, the light of the world. And he said, actually, nobody lights a light and then hides it. 
And that's the take-home point for today. The take-home point is the one point that I'm going to make in the message that we hope that we'll take it home, pray about it, reflect on it, and then see how we can live out the point of that take-home point in our week ahead. And so here it is. It takes effort to hide a light, and Jesus reminds us in the natural world, no one does it. Nobody turns on a light and then tries to hide it. But because we tend to like to hide, we might actually do that. And so Jesus had to remind us not to do that. And before we get to Matthew 5, 14 to 16 again, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your goodness and love. We thank you so much that Jesus is the true light of the world and we get to reflect his light as the, as the moon reflects the light of the sun. God, we pray today that your Holy Spirit would fill us as we read these words again. And we pray that you would use these words to guide us into a life, a day-by-day, week-by-week, month-by-month, year-by-year life that transforms the people around us because they will see you in us and give you the glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the scripture says, Jesus said, actually, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Last week, Pastor Mark focused on that first part of the passage, which says a city on a hill can't be hidden. And he used an illustration, sort of an update of that illustration, by saying we are like lighthouses. Lighthouses provide safety. People come back into the harbor because they see the lighthouse. And also protection from danger. And so that's one way that we shine our light in the world. But what we're going to do today is we're going to zoom in on verse 15. And it says, no one lights a lamp. And then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. Now, remember, in Jesus' day, they didn't have electricity. It hadn't been discovered yet. It was there, but they hadn't discovered how to harness it and use it. And so they just had oil lamps in their houses. And even though we don't use oil lamps these days, we actually do use candles at times. And so we know that even a candle that's lit in a dark room provides some light. And that's the illustration that Jesus used. And he said, but nobody would light a candle or a lamp and then hide it under a basket. I'm going to use a a different kind of illustration. I'm going to update the illustration like Pastor Mark did last week. I'm going to use a headlamp. Okay, anybody got a headlamp? Anybody have? Yeah, everybody has a headlamp these days. All right, so I'm going to say if I had my headlamp, let's see if I can turn it on. Close your eyes if you're in the front row. Okay, now if it were dark in this room, oh, look at that. See, you can still see. I can look. I can see. There's Brian and Hope and Mara. I can see. There's Chris in there. Who else? Oh, there's Pat. How far back can I see? I can't see real far back. But we can see. See, that's the point. And what Jesus said is nobody would put their headlamp on and then put a hat on to cover it up. Right? Now, you can't see I have a hat on to cover it up, but that's okay. So I'm going to turn it back on again. And, uh, and I'm going to actually do what Jesus said. You take the light. You find the best place to put it where most people can uh, get the benefit of the light. And this is the part that I found that was probably the best place. And... I did this in the daytime. It was a lot easier than it is in the dark. But okay, so I, I'm going to, let's see. Oh, man, it's not hanging the right way today. Uh, let's try that. Well, okay, see that? I like the people on that side of the room better. Um, <laughs> anyway, so I can still see the people over there. Okay, let's turn the lights back on because I think I made my point. The point is, 
You don't put your headlamp on and then put a hat on. You don't put a lamp in the middle of the room. And actually, in Jesus' day, because I went to Israel back in October, I finally got to find out what a house looked like in Jesus' day. The houses in Jesus' day were only about the size half of this stage. And so if you had an oil lamp and you put it on a stand, even though the house is, you know, it's not that big and an oil lamp isn't that bright, you could see. And what Jesus said is nobody would then put the lamp on the stand and cover it up because the purpose of light is so that we can see in the darkness. And as we look at that, what Jesus tells us is we are the light of the world and we are made to shine. We, all of us who know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, are the light of the world and we're made to shine. And the punchline of Jesus' comment is this. He says, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Now that's the New Living Translation. It's a good translation. But the original Greek in which Matthew recorded what Jesus said, a more literal translation would be this. Thus let your light shine before others so they will see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. So we live in a world that's in desperate need of that light. We live in a world where there are people who have billions of dollars, and yet they're miserable. We have people who have hundreds, even thousands of friends on Facebook, but they don't have one real friend who would show up if they really needed them. We have millions and millions of people suffering from addiction, and we have many more people who are just cynical about life, and they just don't think that anything really matters. And that's just the rich person problems that we have here in this country. If we, if we went worldwide, there are real, real serious everyday problems like hunger and starvation and poverty. And, and I'm not trying to make us feel bad today. Actually, I'm trying to do the opposite. What I want to do today is not make us feel bad because of everything that's going on wrong, but to say it's a dark world. And we are the light of the world. And Jesus called us 2,000 years ago, if we follow him, to shine. To shine that light in the middle of the darkness so that... People will see. And what, what is the light? The light, everyday good deeds, small acts of kindness, small acts of generosity, telling the truth when people were expecting a white lie, just doing what we say we're going to do when we live in a world where nobody does what they say they're going to do. The thing is, as we trust in Jesus and live in the power of his Holy Spirit, we are able to reflect his light. And the smallest flicker of light will dispel the darkness. So many times over the years, I've had people say to me, Pastor Chris, I want to do something great for God in my life. I want to do something great. I want, I want to do something that's a matter that's going to last that people will remember forever. And here's the thing. Shining our light daily assures us that others will give glory to God. It's an amazing thing that Jesus said. If we shine our light, which means if we do good deeds, everyday common good deeds, people will see that and they will give glory to not us, but to our Father in heaven. Why? Well, because people know we're not that good. We can't consistently do the right thing in our own power. In our own power, we'll screw it up. We'll mess it up. And so what Jesus is telling us is if we rely on him and on his power, we reflect his light in our life to others, people will eventually see that and they will give glory to our Father in heaven. Now, you know, we can make a big splash. There are people who give millions of dollars to charity, you know, and, and they do it because of their love of Jesus. And, and people notice that. But we live in a world where there's instant access to information, and in the next news cycle, that's forgotten. But here's the thing. If we wake up every day, and we go to school, or we go to work, or we stay at home, or wherever we are, we, where we hang out, and what we do is day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, 
We do simple acts of kindness, simple acts of generosity. We live in truth and love toward people. Over time, they will see that light, and they will give glory to our Father in heaven. You see, uh, my good friend, Pastor John Nuzo, has often said, he's the pastor of Victory Family Church over in Cranberry, and he's often said that, that victory became an overnight success in 10 years. And that's what happens. We see somebody and we think, oh, wow, all of a sudden. No, nobody all of a sudden becomes a steady light for Jesus. It happens over time. It happens over weeks, months, years, and decades. And when we live that consistent life over time, people see that and they give, good, they give glory to our Father in heaven. If we want to do something great for God, then we need to shine our light, small though they might be, every day. That's really the point that I'm going to drive home in so many different ways today because nobody actually lights a light and hides it. They don't do that in the natural. And in the supernatural, we shouldn't be doing that either. And one of the greatest blessings that I have as the pastor of New Life is I have seen some of you shining your light from the day that New Life started. For 17 and a half years, your light has been shining steady and actually brighter as the years have gone by serving Jesus. And some of you, I don't know very well, I mean, some of you I just met today, but those of you who I've met in the last year or two, uh, um, about a month ago, I saw you coming in, and you were shining your light by bringing an Operation Christmas Child uh, box under your arm, or two, or one family, six boxes. And, and when I saw that, I gave glory to my Father in Heaven. You know why? Because I know it took time, it took energy, it took effort, it took money. You had to think about whether you want to help a little girl, a little boy, and, and, and nobody really does that for somebody they're never even going to meet this side of heaven. It's just not natural. It's supernatural. And so I thank God for that opportunity to see people doing that. And, and you know, what you do, maybe nobody notices. Maybe nobody but that new person who came in today and you were standing there smiling at them in the parking lot as they entered. Or maybe they got that hot cup of hot coffee that you gave. Or, or maybe... You are a teacher or a helper in one of our children's classes or with a youth ministry. Or maybe you're leading a small group. And, and maybe that's never going to make the news. It isn't going to make the news. But day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, you consistently do that. And you're letting your light shine before others. And a couple weeks ago, I had the opportunity to share during the offering about how, you know, we sent the blessing bags out into the community. And there was a man who, uh, he's a single dad with three little children. And when the, the guy came to the door with all the bags of groceries and opened it, he just started crying. And he said, nobody's ever done anything like that for me before. That's shining the light for Jesus. And that story didn't end there because somebody who heard that uh, went to Karen, our local mission facilitator, and said, God laid it on my heart to give money so that those children have Christmas presents this year. And so one more act of small act of generosity. Nobody else is even going to know about it. But those are the kind of things that I've had the privilege of seeing over and over and over and over again, multiplied hundreds and thousands of times in the 17 half years of this church's existence. When I first went into the ministry, <laughs> I was 27 years old. Officially, I went into the ministry when I was 19, but officially didn't get ordained until I was 27. And when I went to be the assistant pastor of Crestview Presbyterian Church, you know, I had a big dream of what I was going to do for God. I was going to call a denomination back to faithfulness. I was a youth pastor. I was going to see hundreds of kids get their lives changed, and they were going to become missionaries and pastors. And I was going to do all this stuff. And you know what the problem was? There was a lot of eye in it, not enough light. There needs to be light. And I mean, I had a big dream, but what I have now, similar dreams, maybe even bigger, but shared across more than a thousand people. 
and it's happening. And, and that's what we need to do. Maybe we have a big dream. We ought to have big dreams. We have a big God. But we need to live out those dreams in the little day by day by day by day because I'm old enough to know at this point that really if we're going to see God at work, and I'm talking about people who don't know that there's a God or haven't, can, haven't accepted that Jesus is Lord, they're going to see it in our everyday lives, at school, at work, at home, and in the community. That's how it's going to work. Jesus said, we are the light of the world. And there are a lot of people in this world who are cynical. A lot of people don't believe that anybody does something for nothing. A lot of people have seen, you know, the bait-and-switch commercials where you're going to get this big TV, but when you go in, they don't have that one. They have this other one that costs more money. They've had people promise them the moon, and nothing really comes out of it. And so they're cynical, and it would be easy for me as a pastor of 34 years also to be cynical. I've been in the church for 34 years, and I've seen how church people can, you know, act towards each other and to people outside the church. And it would be easy to be cynical except for the fact that the light of Jesus is in me and the light of Jesus is in you. And, and yeah, we struggle with that because, you know, the Apostle Paul talked about the struggle back, back when we did the Inside Out series. Remember how we talked about the Holy Spirit's inside of all of us who believe? And, and also we have still the sinful nature or the flesh inside and that struggle is going on. But Jesus said we are the light of the world. We are. So if Jesus said it, that makes it true. But the world is only going to know that it's true if they see that consistent day-by-day day walk with him in the simple, everyday acts of kindness, generosity, and truthfulness in love that we can live out. My prayer these days when I get up, when I think about this amazing opportunity that I have to shine my light for Jesus, it's a simple prayer. It goes like this. God, empower me to do what Jesus' love requires of me to everyone who sees me today. In Jesus' name. Imagine if you and I, every one of us here and everybody watching online would do that. And then we would live in the power of the Holy Spirit in such a way that we would actually do what Jesus' love required for everybody we saw at home, school, work, play, wherever we were in these next couple of weeks until Christmas. There would be an impact that would be felt here in Saxonburg in our region. And I believe even, even beyond that. And it is happening. But that's what Jesus told us. We are the light of the world, and we get the opportunity to live that out day by day. Now, I hate to keep coming back to this small matter of where God has really been, you know, working in my life uh, since back about six weeks, five, six weeks ago when we had that series called The Four Wills of God, and I had to preach that message on, you know, doing the will of God and submitting and doing right. And remember what I said? I, I had to start driving the speed limit. And, and a lot of you have come up to me and said, Chris, I'm having trouble with your speed limits. And, and, and I said, they're not my speed limits. <laughs> if they were my speed limits, there would never be a one, a two, or a three in them. You know what I'm saying? Um, there would probably be a lot more accidents, but there would not be any 25, 15, 30. None of that would never happen. But the other day, Nancy and I were driving down the road, and I was going 35 in a 35-mile-an-hour speed limit zone, and there was this guy just right on my bumper. And I turned to Nancy, and I said, you know what that guy's thinking? He's thinking, why do I have to follow that old guy? <laughs> and here's the truth. I am an old guy. But I wasn't driving like an old guy. I was driving like someone with the light of Jesus in their heart. Now, I know that's going to feel, it, it hurts me to say that. But it's, it's the truth. You know, and the thing is, not everybody who experiences the light of Jesus is going to be happy. I mean, Jesus said, 
that when we do our good works, you know, other people, and he's talking about people who are in the darkness, are going to see those good works and are going to give glory to our Father in heaven. But Jesus recognized that isn't always how people respond. In fact, here's what he said in John chapter 3, verses 19 and 20. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. So what Jesus said is, when we do our good works that shine our light in the world, there will be some people who are going to see that and are going to give glory to God. What he just said here is, some people are going to see that, and and they're going to be going, nah, I don't believe it. I don't believe there's anybody that does anything good just because of the goodness of their heart or the goodness of God. Because they're still living in darkness, they're going to say, we're doing it for some false motive, that we don't really care about them. You know, that's what some people are going to say. And some people are going to see us walking in the light and they're going to run in the other direction because they're doing things that they ought not to be doing and the light exposes the darkness and they want to stay in the darkness. Now, how they respond to what we do is their responsibility, not ours. How somebody responds when we truly speak the truth in love and we've got to have truth and love together, when we truly live in kindness and generosity toward them, when we truly follow what God calls us to do in our lives toward them, how they respond, that's not our responsibility. Our responsibility is to shine our lights. As we shine our light, people might give glory to our Father in heaven and some people might run away and some people might even condemn us for what we're doing because they think that our motivations are, are either superstitious or false or, or not right. Nevertheless, we are to let our light shine. And that's why today's next step says this, I will let my light shine in every dark place I find this week because nobody lights a light and hides it under their hat, right? Nobody lights a light and puts it where somebody can't see it. We've, we like to play hide and seek or sardines, and my brother Ken and I love to hide the fact that we were having fun when we weren't supposed to be. But the truth of the matter is, Jesus made it very clear that as we live our lives today in a dark world, he, he is the light, and he gives us that blessing of also being the light wherever we are for him. Now, if you're in the room or you're watching online and you've never put Jesus first in your life, you've never let him be Lord, which means owner, You've never let him be savior, which means he saved you from the darkness. He saves you from sin, from death, and, and saves you for a life that is so amazing in this life and then forever with him after this life. If you've never done that, this season of year, there's no better season of year to do it than, than this season of Christmas because people are looking for someone who will change their lives, who, who will maybe help them to see a bit of light in what they see as just pitch black. And I have a prayer that I'm going I'm to have us look at in a moment. And, and, you know, last week Pastor Mark had a prayer for folks who wanted to pray to trust Jesus, Savior and Lord, and I have a one. It's a, and I said last night, it's a little prayer, and then I went, oh, man, I hate, I hate the adjective little in front of prayer. You know, there's no such thing as a little prayer. There are short prayers. Uh, Peter was walking on the water with Jesus. He started to sink. He did not pray for a half an hour. He prayed, Lord, save me. (laughs) Shortest prayer in the Bible. And it worked. Jesus reached out his hand and saved him. And this is a short prayer. It's not a little prayer. 
Okay, and I'm going to show you what it says this. Jesus, I've been walking in the dark, living my own life. I need you. Come in and fill me with your light, your life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You see, it isn't the words of the prayer that matter. It's the heart that speaks the prayer. I'm in, I'm in darkness and I want to be in light. I'm in sin and I want to have the sin removed so I can live a new life. The, the gist of the prayer, whatever the prayer might be that you offer, is simply recognizing there's someone bigger than you, someone bigger than me out there who's in, 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 a, in a desire to have a relationship with us that's forever and that he is the light, the true light that never flickers and never has that struggle. And, and in our midst of our struggle, we can reflect that light. So if you need to pray that prayer for the first time, I would encourage you. I'm going to pray it again. And if you already have prayed a prayer that said, Jesus, I need you, um, it's okay to pray it again aloud. So let's pray together. Jesus, I've been walking in the dark, living my own life. I need you. Come in and fill me with your light, your life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The reason I know the importance of living day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year in this kind of light is because of my own family experience. My dad never became a believer until he was 73 years old. And he saw my mother living consistently with the light of Jesus in her life every day of their married life. And my mom died six years before my dad. And after my, my mom died, my dad spent a lot of time with my family, with Nancy and Abby and Emmy and me. And we had a chance day by day to walk out, and we did walk out the, the love of Jesus with my dad. And, and, and he just saw the things that we did um, as we served Jesus. And, and, and at that time, it was Glade Run Church. And uh, he had his sixth heart attack, which he died from his seventh heart attack. But he had his sixth heart attack when he was 73 years old. And I said to him, Dad, have you trusted Jesus as your Savior and Lord? And he, he said, I think I have, don't you? I said, it doesn't matter what I think. It matters whether you have trusted Jesus as your Savior and Lord. And he said, yes, I know he's Savior and Lord in my life. And actually, I have a cousin who's a pastor, and he also asked my dad the same question. We pastors sort of get to the point when it seems like, you know, time's short. And, uh, and so the last two years of my dad's life, there was a, a major difference that you could see. And his light started to shine. You know, we shouldn't wait till we're 73 to start shining our light for Jesus, but better late than never. But if you're right now, 10, 12, 20, 30, 50, 97, I'm pretty sure is the oldest guy in the room. However old we are, we have the opportunity to shine that light in this season of year. So in the midst of all the glitter and tinsel, people can see what the true light is, Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your goodness and love. We thank you so much that your light cannot be hidden. And God, we pray that we won't hide ours today, tomorrow, or any day, not just up to Christmas, but into the new year. As long as we live, God, we pray that our light will shine steadily and brighter for you. And that people seeing that will give glory to our Father in heaven. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.